Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. You've noted in the last two weeks that here on Rules for Retrogrades, I've been covering the Francis Pontificate, I do say pontificate, friends, in a new light, in an open-minded light, in a light so open-minded that some of you have said that it's too open-minded. Why have I had Ed Mazza, Patrick Coffin, who are Benny Plenis on this show in the last two weeks, entertaining their points of view, now countering them uh, in some specific ways, but entertaining them in ways that I wouldn't do with, say, someone who I disagreed with more than Mazza or Coffin, like a bestialist. No point in even having them on. Question asked, question answered. Because although I am not a Benny Plenist, and I say you ought not to be as well, full stop, there is much to agree with when dialoguing with the Benny Plenist. Not that Francis isn't Pope. Clearly, I, I think it came up very clearly with my, my good friend Patrick Coffin the other day. That is not a clear set of theories there's mutual contradiction all throughout, and that is not the fault of Ed Mazza or Patrick Coffin or any other Benny Plantist out there. It is the fault of one man, Francis himself. Francis himself. He said he wanted to create confusion, and he did so. Today's show is called The 101 Outrages of Pope Francis. And that's precisely what it is. I'm going to try to race through these things year by year to show you there is a distinction of kind, a distinction of kind between this guy, number 266, and all of the bad popes throughout the first 265 popes of the pontificate. I said bad popes. Obviously, we already know what the distinction of kind is with the good popes who are saints. No, I'm talking about the bad popes that sired children and uh, played fast and loose with the coffers of the Vatican and uh, were involved in lay investiture in Episcopal appointments and did criminal things. Who cares? Okay? Do you get it? As a Roman Catholic, when you have a bad pope, an ordinary bad pope, like we've had before, who cares as long as he doesn't fidget with doctrine or teaching? In a soft or a hard way. And yes, to the Pope Splainers out there, the interviews Francis gives that are not hard teaching, they are soft teaching and they do still matter. And it's also new. Media, social media, telephonic communication, radio communication. This only covers the last dozen popes or so in the era of communication. So it's relatively new anyway. And what I'm saying about Pope Francis is that he's so unique from even all the worst popes in the history of the chair that we have to do something with him. Now, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But after Francis, there will be rearrangement. And maybe not immediately after Francis, but sometime after Francis, the church will have to react readapt to this bad pope. What I would say to Patrick Coffin and Ed Mazza, both of whom I consider friends, and I did say to both of them actually, is this. He is utterly unlike all 29 anti-popes as well. Which is why I don't, I'm not convinced he's an anti-pope. 
even though there are strange facts related to St. Gallen Mafia people. Very strange facts. I think he's something new altogether. And that, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades, is the truly scary thing. He's not like any of the 265 popes before. He's not like any of the 29 anti-popes we've ever had, or by some counts, uh, 30 or 33. He is unique. And that sounds apocalyptic. And that's a bit scary. So year by year, citing LifeSite News, credit to them, uh, I, uh, Steph actually helped me research this today, piecing together a bunch of LifeSite News articles, including an open letter to the bishops of the Catholic Church published uh, in 2019 by scholars and priests on LifeSite at the end of April, uh, and some other articles throughout the years, we've compiled the 101 errors outrages of Pope Francis. And they are wacky. Some are wackier than others. Some are a little bit more like the bad popes of the past, but some are utterly unprecedented, and they're all compiled here together. I'm going to run through them, list format. Number one, in June of 2013, when this whole freaky experiment was still new, Pope Francis, newly poped, suggested that if a person is gay and seeks God and has goodwill, who am I to judge? That's number one. We all know that one. That's, that's really weird. Not as bad as a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about. Number two, also from 2013. The Lord, he says, has redeemed all of us, all of us, with the blood of Christ, all of us, not just Catholics, everyone. Father, the atheists, even the atheists, everyone. So there is an insinuation of Francis's universalism that no one goes to hell, which is the thin blue line thoroughgoing throughout his entire pontificate is universalism. That's it. There it is in 2013. I don't have the month here. First year. First six months. Got it? Everyone is redeemed by the blood of Christ. That's number two. Number three, during the Angelus of June 2nd, 2013, he'd been in office for less than three months. He spoke about Christ's miracle, the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes as taking place by the miracle of sharing. Sharing, but more than the, the uh, smarmy sort of obnoxion of extolling sharing, which is a corny thing to talk about, he said that the miracles did not actually happen. This is the miracle. Rather than a multiplication, it is a sharing inspired by faith and prayer. He's repeated this twice for grand total by my count of three times as Pope. This is the miracle rather than the multiplication. Pope splainers out there, you know who you are. He was not just saying both and. Real miracle plus this smarmy gay little miracle of sharing. He meant instead, and that's why he used the word rather. So don't say he didn't say it. Number four, in his 2013 exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, Pope Francis called for a, quote, conversion of the papacy and expressed the need to give Episcopal conferences, quote, genuine doctrinal authority 
Decentralization is a key demand of heterodox clergy in the church. By the way, if I'm quote, I'm going in and out of quoting the life site, so all credit to them. The compilation is all credit to Steph, but but the original compil mini compilations by LifeSite. So I am coming in and out of quotations. This will come to be called synodality starting more and more after 2016. But he said it here in the first year. Evangelii Gaudium, a conversion of the papacy, expressed the need to magisterialize, which is to say give genuine doctrinal authority to the national bishops' conferences, and that would mean schism, given what's going on in Germany. Formal schism. Uh, so this decentralization appears in 2013. See, you've forgotten about all these 2013 instances. I'd forgotten about some of them, too. I have a long memory with Francis, though. Some of them I had, too. But it's early, early signs of stuff we're talking about more now. Number five, uh, Monsignor Battista Mario Salvatore Rica was engaged in grave homosexual misbehavior while employed in the papal nunciature in Uruguay, as Homer Simpson calls it, you are gay, which applies to Monsignor Rica, you are gay. This included getting trapped in an elevator with a male prostitute and having to be rescued by the fire department. That's a boo-boo, my friend. After these scandals had become public, Pope Francis put him in charge of his residence, the Casa Sancta Maria, and named him as prelate to the Instituto delle Opere di Religione. That's number five, and that one's uh, juicy. Number six, Pope Francis has said that the Catholic Church is too focused on preaching about abortion, gay people, and contraception, and needs to become more merciful. He said that in the first two months of his pontificate, that's number six, we're too focused on abortion. Imagine, every, everyone nowadays is an abolitionist, right? A slavery abolitionist. Imagine in 1860, before the Civil War, someone saying to Lincoln, you're too focused on this slavery issue. That's Pope Francis with a much, much bigger, much more morally grave, much more important issue, abortion dwarfs slavery in terms of uh, moral gravity. That's number six. He said that two months in. I think he said it more like a month in, but I don't have an exact date. Number seven is the key role played by the most important cardinal in Francis's Curia, Cardinal Rodriguez Maradiaga. In an address to University of Dallas, Cardinal Newman School in 2003, Maradiaga said that the Second Vatican Council, quote, meant an end to the hostilities between the church and modernism, which was condemned in the First Vatican Council. So, according to Maradiaga, Francis's most important cardinal, not his CDF, but his most important cardinal on the C-14, that the church is no longer against modernism. He claimed that modernism was, most of the time, a reaction against injustices and abuses that had disparaged the dignity and the rights of the person. He stated that within the people, there is not a dual classification of Christians, laity and clergy, essentially different, and that to speak correctly, we, needed to, uh, we should not speak of clergy and laity, but instead of community and ministry. See that? See that same repetition of uh, point number two that Francis repeated early on. The Lord redeemed all of us with the blood of Christ. See that? No difference between 
Christian and non-Christian, no difference between lay and clergy. This is really bad stuff. Maradiaga also asserted at this U of D speech in 2013, uh, Christ himself did not proclaim or preach uh, Jesus alone himself, but the kingdom. The church as his disciple and his servant ought to do the same. Cardinal Maradiaga failed to act on accusations of sexual misbehavior with seminarians and peculation by Jose Juan Pineda Fasquele, auxiliary bishop of uh, Tegucigalpa. These accusations were the subject of an apostolic visit carried out by Bishop Alcides Jorge Pedro Casareto, who presented a report to Pope Francis in May 2017. That's, that's less, less, less juicy. We're already used to scandal. So that's number seven. That's 2013. And by the way, to compile this list of 101 and to fit it into a decently sized show, I had to, I had to cut some stuff. And I'm afraid I cut some of my favorite stuff. About three months ago, I did a show, a comprehensive list of the Francis Scalfari interviews. I'm going to mention them as we go into 2014. Item number eight. But I'm not covering all of those as separate line items here today. We could easily get to 200. I'm not exaggerating. We could easily get to 200. Uh, Trust me when I say that. But I, I wanted to keep this pithy. 2014, the first of the Scalfari interviews. Eugenio Scalfari, the editor of La Repubblica magazine, a free zine they hand out on La Linea A, La Linea B on the Metro. They would hand me this. It's a Marxist rag. I would throw it out of my face when I lived in Rome going to the Pontifical Gregorian. In 2014, in an interview, Francis's controversial reported statement according to the erstwhile fashion of note-taking by Scalfari, amounted to that approximately 2% of the Catholic Church's total number of priests, including bishops and cardinals, were pedophiles. In 2018, Scalfari would later write an article related to his interview with Francis, stating that the pontiff made claims that hell did not exist. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around for the Scalfari things. Scalfari later admitted that some words attributed to the pontiff were not shared by Francis himself, but he didn't say which one. In 2019, Scalfari wrote a further article related to Pope Francis, claiming that the Pope rejects the godly nature of Jesus Christ, that he's not part of the Trinity. That is big time. Not specifically enough denied by the Vatican. This was denied by the Holy See, which said that, as already stated on other occasions, the word that uh, Eugenio Scoffery attributes in quotation marks to Holy Father during talks with him cannot be considered a faithful account of what was actually said, but represent a personal and free interpretation of what he heard, as appears completely evident from what is written today regarding the divinity of Jesus Christ. That is not a repudiation. Just say, hey, that's not a direct quote. What, what the Pope said about Jesus not being part of the Trinity, not at all a direct quote. Uh, that's just what this guy heard Francis saying in a private interview without notes. That's scary. You could, you could claim that it wasn't a direct quote, by the way, if one word was off. You could say exactly what, I can't remember if this is Greg Burke or after, if it's the new mouthpiece after Greg Burke got too many migraines and quit as the uh, Vatican mouthpiece. Um, I, so I forget who, who this is, but I think I'm going to say it's Greg Burke. 
if one word was off, an a or an an instead of a the, you could say what he said, what Burke said in characterization of Pope Francis's words, with Pope Francis's words still being fairly characterized by Scalfari himself. Listen again. As already stated on other occasions, the words that Scalfari attributes in quotation marks to the Holy Father during talks with him cannot be considered a faithful account of what was actually said, but represent a personal and free interpretation of what he heard. Dot, 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 there's more. You could say that if someone missed one word. You'd be like, well, that's a different, different thing. You're paraphrasing. That's all I said. They didn't say, You're, this is an outrage. They gave him 10 interviews. They gave him more interviews after that. There's worse stuff from the Scalfari interviews, but we don't have time here. Go watch my video from about three months ago. I'll try to link it in the notes here. Number nine, Cardinal Francesco Coco Palmario, one of the most important cardinals in Francis's Curia. Not as much as Maradiaga, but important. He publicly stated in 2014, because we're in that year, that Catholic leaders must emphasize the positive elements in homosexual relationships and that in certain circumstances, it would be wrong to deny communion to persons living in adulterous relationships or to require them to dissolve their relationship. Do you hear this outrage? Now, and he's shown other indications of approval of homo activity. This, w- this happened at the first synod, the October 2014 synod, the extraordinary synod, which was being arranged to give a document, a post-synodal apostolic exhortation to Francis that would enable Francis to change the teaching on homosexuality, make it okay. How do I know? Because in the Relatio, the midterm report, one week into this two-week deal, two-and-a-half-week deal, it had these lines, or lines highly similar to this. We have to emphasize what's good about gay relationships. We have to stop condemning them. And the African bishops might have saved the church almost single-handedly, and they stopped this. This did not stop Pope Francis from appointing Coco Palmario to a number of important posts, including a working group tasked with speeding up the process for assessing the nullity of marriage. That's great, given his track record on sexual moral theology. And to the Board of Review from the Congregation of uh, Doctrine of Faith, that reveals appeals from clergy found guilty of sexual abuse of minors. So good, put this pervert in charge of sexual abuse boards and the sexual abuse that is divorce, right? The sexual abuse. It's abuse of a sexual nature. Uh, number 10, Father Mauro Inzoli. Father Inzoli was condemned for sex abuse to minors to reduction to the lay state by the CDF in 2012 under Benedict in the first instance, but the enforcement of that sentence was suspended after he appealed in 2014, the year we're covering right now, one of the 101 outrages of Pope Francis, if you just tuned in. Pope Francis changed it into the much milder prescription to a retired life. What does this sound like? Hmm, That would become relevant four years later. That's right. Molester Uncle Ted McCarrick, the greatest fundraiser in the world, who created the outrage when Francis desuspended him, put him back into uh, action, and when everything broke out in the summer of shame in 2018. Sounds a lot like that, doesn't it? 
Um, in 2016, Inzoli was arrested and condemned by an Italian court. That's good. Only after he fell under the civil judgment did Pope Francis finally reduce him to the lay state. Francis's friends are the molesters. Francis is scratching the backs. Hopefully just the backs of the molesters. Okay? This is misbehavior, but this is bad misbehavior. This is a combination of doctrinal fidgeting, trying to make a mess, and really, really, really bad misbehavior. Number 11, promoting reception of the Eucharist by divorced and remarried persons at this same uh, extraordinary synod on the family in October of 2014. Pope Francis has persistently promoted the reception of the Eucharist under certain circumstances by persons who have civilly divorced their spouse and are living in a sexual relationship with someone else. Now, in 2016, after... We're, we're, we're in 2014's outrages now, but I want to draw the bridges as we go. 2014, October. Extraordinary synod on the family. Cardinal Casper and the liberals are trying to get communion for the civilly divorced and remarried, if you forget. One year later, October 2015... They have the second synod on it. Six months after that, April 2016, is when Pope Francis's post-synodal apostolic exhortation was released. And what did it do? It gave communion to the divorced and civilly remarried. Catholic answer said, no, 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 it doesn't actually do that. That can't be done. It's kind of vague, even though it wasn't that vague. Five months after that, in 2016... Uh, bishops from Buenos Aires's, uh, Buenos Aires's hometown cited this particular passage in Amor Laetitia and said, we're giving communion to the civilly divorced and remarried. And Francis says, that's the only valid interpretation. He wrote him a letter and he stuck the letter in the ass, the A-A-S, stuck it right in the ass. Okay? That magisterializes it. You can't stick something in the A-A-S without it becoming magisterial. Might be magisterium light, but it's magisterium. That, and it's from 2016, that is the central act of this pontificate. That has to be accounted for, friends. Item number 11, which foreshadows the central act from 2016, that is not arguable. That is a hardcore dogmatic error Stuck right into the AAS. That has to be accounted for. I don't get why people get so mad at Matzah and Coffin for thinking wishfully. Now, I think they're wrong, but that wishful thinking is not necessarily wrong because we have had antipopes. It's always possible that any of the 266 popes are antipopes from the perspective of the present. They always get declared an antipope later. I think Coffin and Matzah are thinking very wishfully. But I get it. It would be clean. Then this never would have happened. Guys at Catholic Answers have persistently refused, by and large, to admit Francis is even a bad pope. Or, of course, you know, you heard him last week that, that, that Coffin, uh, as Coffin asserted, he's an anti-pope. Francis, um, back in 2014, intervened in the composition of the Relatio Post-Dissup. Uh, 
Deceptationem for the 2014 Synod on the Family. His addition to the Relatio, that midterm report with all the gay stuff in it, proposed allowing communion for divorced and remarried Catholics on a case-by-case basis. The Foro Interno, the internal forum, which had been getting proposed by Cardinal Casper, one of the Sankt Gallen Mafia members, for 30 years. For 30 years. Bucked back by JP2. Once they got Francis in, no longer bucked back. So the positive aspects of gayness and the encouragement of communion for divorced and civilly remarried by Francis. Um, these proposals were included in that midterm report, the Relatio, at Francis's personal insistence. We're still on item number 11 here because you can't say this quietly enough. This is 2014. Well, a year and a half later, you'll get to 2016, and he magisterializes it. So he insisted in this little um, kabuki theater show where he's having all the, you know, the, the bishops of the world, many of the bishops of the world anyway, get together and talk about whether or not gay stuff can be undone in the church. They wanted to go for it because of all of their condition or most of their condition or many of their condition. Um, that was too much, but he was going to get Casper's thing done, and he did get it done a year and a half later. You got to look at this from the perspective of history. It was outrageous in 2014, but now we're looking back with the luxury of retrospect, retrospection. Look at all of his words in retrospect and look how they square up with what he ended up doing. He insisted personally, despite the fact that they did not receive the two-thirds majority required by the Synod rules for a proposal to be included in the Relatio, at one of the synods, Pope Francis changed the rule, my friends. He changed the rule, and he kept it, the language, in there. And a year and a half later, he got it done. He gave communion to the civilly divorced and remarried, which the Bible says you can't do. It's de fide. You're eating and drinking your own damnation. The early teachings say, the late teachings say. He issued guidelines for the Diocese of Rome permitting the reception of the Eucharist under certain circumstances by civilly divorced and remarried Catholics living more more uxorio with their civil partner. I remember this. I'd forgotten this part, though. The other parts I remember. These teachings and actions are themselves an offense against the faith since the teaching that Catholics with a living spouse or openly cohabiting with someone may not receive the Eucharist is at least a truth belonging to the secondary object of the infallibility of the church, if not the primary object. I'm going to do another show detailing what that means. It is at least a truth whose acceptance is necessary in order that the deposit of faith can be effectively defended or proposed with sufficient authority. Now, I think this is from LifeSite. Wow. Okay, number 12. Oh, geez, I gotta have to, I'm going to have to speed up. This is only number 12. But you can't rush through some of this. 12. On June 9th, 2014, Pope Francis received the leaders of the militantly pro-Globo Homo Tupac Amaru organization from Argentina at the Vatican, blessed their cocoa leaves for use in their pagan religious rituals, which involve recognition of the cocoa plant as sacred. I didn't know that one. This takes us to 2015, where there will be the ordinary synod. Cardinal Daniels, the man 
who gave us the admission that there's such a thing as the Sankt Gallen Mafia in a book, in his biography. He requested in 97 and 98 to take action on the catechism textbook Roach, which was used in Belgium under his authority. This textbook corrupted minors with a sexual education contrary to Catholic principles, teaching them to seek whatever sexual lust they like, solitary, heterosexual, homosexual. It presented standard propaganda claims for the legitimizing of the sexual abuse of prepubescent children. Remember, Daniels uh, advised his nephew, who had been, uh, not his nephew, was it his nephew? He had not advised the nephew of a man who had sexually abused him, I think another priest, not to tell anyone, and he got caught on tape doing it. These perverts. They're queens. They're worse than queens. Daniels defended the textbook, refused to have it altered or removed, even when Belgian parents objected that it encouraged pedophilia. Even Belgians are, are objecting. That's extreme. He acted to protect the pedophile bishop, Roger, uh, Roger V. I'm not going to try to say his name. After it became known that uh, Roger V. sexually abused his own nephew, beginning when the nephew was five years old. When the nephew, then uh, an adult, asked Daniels to take action against him, Daniels refused, told the nephew to keep quiet, told the nephew that he should acknowledge his own guilt, blaming the victim. This is what these perverts do. All these sanctions were public knowledge in 2010. Cardinal Daniels, 2010 meaning before Francis ever took office, before Francis stepped out onto the loggia, in March of 2013, two and a half years later, who did he invite out there with him? This pervert, this fruity pervert, Daniels, was out there on the loggia with him, which is considered a great honor. He stood at the side of Pope Francis on the balcony of the loggia of St. Peter's when the Pope made his first public appearance after the election. Pope Francis named him a special delegate to the 2015 Synod on the Family, Daniels was a member of the Sankt Gallen Mafia. The Sankt Gallen Mafia has four goals, according to Cardinal Walter Brandmuller. Communion for divorced and remarried. That's Casper. Casper's been putting that forward for 30 years. Cross it off. They got that done. Viri Probati and women deacons. Those are items two and three. Those were supposed to get done at the Amazon Synod. They didn't because COVID broke out and Francis backed off. They held a special meeting last week. I'm talking in real time now, in the present. They held a special meeting on these two things. On items two and three, very pro-body and women deacons, they do not back off. Just like Casper did not back off after he was denied by uh, JP2 in 1982. And the fourth will be the total uh, intercommunion between Lutherans and Catholics. So he's special delegate to the 2015 Synod on the Family. When he died in 2019, Pope Francis praised him as a zealous pastor who served the church with dedication. Number 14. Cardinal Dew argued for the admission of adulterous couples to the Eucharist at the Synod on the Eucharist in 2005. Remember, this is very old. Pope Francis named him a cardinal in 2015 and named him a special delegate to the 2015 Synod on the Family. Remember, Look at all of Francis's actions. In a weird way, Parish Orbison retrogrades, it's interesting, more interesting, dare I say, to look not at Francis's 
synodal exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, in April 2016. We haven't gotten there yet. Which says, hey, it's in a footnote, but he says, give, give uh, communion to the divorced and civilly remarried. It's more interesting to look at how he set it up, all the set pieces. It's also interesting to think that all the while, Pope's planners were saying, no, he's not doing that. He kept the language in the Relatio at 2014. He played this little kabuki theater with Cardinal Casper between October 2014 and October 2015, the two synods, where he told Casper to tell media, which he told to Raymond Arroyo on World Over, I'm out. The Pope no longer favors my way of doing things. It was a little game. Francis loves this. He's evil. He's the most evil man, I think, on earth right now. He's telling people to make a mess. He's making the mess. He keeps it open. He appoints only the pro-communion uh, for civilly divorced and remarried cardinals. He names them all special delegate to this or that at the various synods. He plays games with who he favors at the moment. And then in April 2016, we'll see what he does with it. Number 15. In 2014, Cardinal de Kessel, then Bishop of Bruges, appointed Father Tom Flames. Well, we'll just call him Ta- Father Tom Flames, F L A M E Z, as a pastor. He had been con- after he'd been convicted of sexual abuse. He did not remove Father Antoon Stod- Strager from ministry until 2015. Although Strager's crimes were known to the diocese in 2014. Pope Francis chose Bishop de Kessel as Archbishop of uh, Mechelen, Brussels, in November 2015 and named him a cardinal in November 2016. Okay. Point number 16, Father Timothy Radcliffe. In 2013, Radcliffe has stated that homosexual activity can be expressive of Christ's self-gift. I, I can't even say this. I can't even say it. I mean, I just did, but I don't want to. Pope Francis appointed him as a uh, consultor to the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace in May 2015. Number 17. Emma Bonino, the greatest abortion promoter in Italy. She's the foremost political activist on behalf of it, abortion and euthanasia in Italy, and is boasted of personally performing many abortions herself. In 2015, Pope Francis received her at the Vatican, and in 2016, he'll go on to praise her as one of Italy's forgotten greats. This man is evil. He's the worst pope we've ever had. He's the worst man on earth right now. 18. Francis's naming of himself after Francis of Assisi was an early indication of how he shared Francis's care for all creation. This was followed in May 2015 with his major encyclical on the environment, Laudato Si, which had more bad stuff than you remember. In a quiet meeting at the Vatican, number 19, Francis welcomed Diego Neria Leharaga, 48, born a woman, Satrani, Leharaga, later underwent a procedure to become a Try to become a transgender man, unsuccessfully. Once called the devil's daughter by a local priest in native Spain, Leharaga sought solace from. Uh, I'm trying to think of what what this what this thing really is. Uh, okay, what it is. Okay, 
got uh, solace from Francis in a private meeting confirmed by Vatican officials. Francis invited both Leharaga and it says his fiance. It's it's a her, right? It's a her to the Vatican for an audience. I didn't know this. When Leharaga asked the Pope if she had a place in the church, the Pope reportedly responded by embracing her. Now, uh, it's, it's not so wrong to say, well, you got to go to confession. You got to acknowledge that you're a, you're a she. But yes, Jesus does love you. I got I got no issues with that. So sometimes you got to be careful with this. You know, what Francis is signaling is you have a place in the church without changing your sin. And I had to keep reversing it because this article had him instead of her. It's a she. It be a she. It's a man, baby. All right. Uh, number 20, several procedural changes announced by Francis are aimed at accelerating and simplifying the lengthy end-of-marriage procedure. This was big because this is in the run up to all of this need for mercy that all these divorcees running around marrying everybody they can find uh, deserve in the eyes of Francis, but he's also saying we need to make annulments easier. Among them is allowing bishops, rather than just a church court, to nullify a marriage, a power that could also push, be pushed to priests by bishops, could be delegated. Last month, the Pope asked the clergy to keep open doors to Catholics who remarry. He clearly wants the sex ethics to change. That's his role. That's his role. That's why he's there. That's why he's there. 21. Still in 2015 now. On January 19th, the beginning of the year, while speaking of responsible parenthood, the Pope cautioned against Catholics being like rabbits. The Pope spoke about a woman he knows who he said was pregnant with her eighth child after having the first seven by C-section. He said he had rebuked her, saying, but do you want to leave seven orphans? That is to tempt God. Thanks a lot, Francis. My wife is pregnant with her seventh kid, with our seventh kid, I should say. Our seventh baby will be born by C-section, all C-sections. That is an irresponsibility, says the Pope. That one might say, no, but I trust in God. He says, but God gives you methods to be responsible. Some think that, excuse me if I use that word, that in order to be good Catholics, we must have to be like rabbits. No, responsible parenthood. He did not say that, that the methods um, of responsible parenthood involved in any way, like um, natural family planning, right? He knew what he was insinuating. Number 22, Bishop Juan Barros Madrid. Barros covered up the grave sexual crimes of Father Fernando Cardima, who was convicted of sexual abuse by a church tribunal in 2011. Pope Francis appointed Barros Bishop of Osorno in 2015, despite strong protests from the faithful and described his critics as calumniators. Bishop Barros accepted responsibility and resigned in 2018 after Pope Francis admitted he had made serious mistakes in dealing with this case. Okay, I worry that, that I'm missing some stuff because there was other stuff in 2015. Would you hit the fan, please? Boy, it's hot up here. I'm, I'm sweating. That's why I'm readjusting. Um, I, yeah, I worry I'm missing stuff, but this is pretty, 
Uh, this is a lot of um, appointment, uh, Episcopal appointment that I did not know about. 23. Amoris Laetitia, paragraph 295. This is in 2016. We've now crossed the bridge. This is April. St. John Paul II proposed the so-called law of gradualness in the knowledge that the human being knows, loves, and accomplishes moral good by different stages of growth. This is not a gradualness of law, but rather gradualness in the prudential exercise of free acts on the part of the subjects who are not in a position to understand, appreciate, or fully carry out the objective demands of the law. Amoris Laetitia, passage 298. We'll call this... Uh, uh, Number 24, the divorced who have entered a new union can find themselves in a variety of situations, Francis says, which should not be pigeonholed or fit into overly rigid, that's his four-letter word, classifications leaving no room for a suitable personal or pastoral discernment. One thing is a second union consolidated over time with new children, proven fidelity, fidelity who? To your, to your concubine? That's not fidelity. That's one of Aristotle's similitudes. Fidelity to your concubine is not fidelity. Generous self-giving, Christian commitment, consciousness of its irregularity, and of the great difficulty of going back without feeling conscious, conscience that one would fall into new sins. The church acknowledges these situations, and he continues. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, footnote 329 in regard to it, though. In such situations, many people knowing and accepting the possibility of living as brothers and sisters... Josephite Mary, which the church offers them, point out that if certain expressions of intimacy are lacking, it often happens that faithfulness is endangered and the good of children suffers. This is a big uh, repeating theme with Francis, that if you do the right thing, if you follow the natural law, if you live as Joseph and Mary lived, which is super virtuous, then you, something bad might happen. The family might dissolve because a husband and a wife uh, live the right way N and not a husband and wife sorry people who are divorced and civilly remarried to each other so he's saying that bad can come from doing good big theme in francis that's where it becomes serious breach of moral theology um he, and he gives other excuses and examples of excuses uh in footnote 329 this is all Amoris Laetitia. Amoris Laetitia pa uh, passage 299. I guess this is issue number 25, outrage number 25. I am in agreement with the many synod fathers who observed that the baptized who are divorced and civilly remarried, remarried need to be fully integrated into Christian communities in the variety of ways possible while avoiding any occasion of scandal. Just sever off that comma clause. He wants to bring him in, give him communion, which he does do, and he makes that clear when he's stuck the letter from the Argentine bishops in the ass, the AAS. And he did that uh, five and a half months after. Amoris Laetitia is all you need to know about this pontificate. Drink it in. Number 26, paragraph 301 in Amoris Laetitia. It is no longer simply to be said that all those in any irregular situation are living in a state of mortal sin and are deprived of sanctifying grace. He even is saying no longer He's saying he's changing the moral law. What in the world were the Pope Splainers saying about this at the time? I remember pulling my hair out at the time 
they were saying some bad stuff. But they're saying, oh, it's just a footnote. There's no, you're proof texting. You were wrong. I like the guys at Catholic Answers, right? But they have a toll to pay. You want to dance, you got to pay the band. You guys want to be listened to, you got to admit when you're wrong. That's how to be responsible. It happens from time to time, but let's have some admissions. Point number 26 of Francis' outrage. He's saying it can no longer be said that those in irregular matrimonial situations are living in a state of mortal sin. He's changing it. Wow. That's, that is... I forgot about that paragraph. The Pope's planners were claiming that he was being proof-texted. And of course, they're proven wrong six months later when Francis says the Argentine bishops have the only correct interpretation and everyone in the world is giving uh, communion to divorced and civilly remarried. They're eating and drinking their damnation because of that stumbling block. Boy, boy, he's got a... Francis is going to have a, a rough time in a few years here, I'm afraid. You know what I mean? I think he's going to have a real rough time. He's an old guy. I hope not. I hope he repents. Point number 27, Amoris Laetitia 303. Conscience can do more than recognize that a given situation does not correspond objectively to the overall demands of the gospel. Can also recognize with sincerity and honesty what for now is the most generous response which can be given to God. And come to see with a certain moral security that it is what God himself is asking amid the concrete complexity of one's limits, while yet not fully the objective ideal. This is how dumb people write. Or this is how smart people write for a dumb audience when they're lulling you to sleep with a rope-a-dope. I'm worried we're going to skip over one of the money shots in um, Amoris Laetitia. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include it with number 27, and I have a basically direct quote. I don't have a citation for it. It's related to this conscience thing. He says nearby that the logic of the Gospels cannot see a man condemned to hell forever. Something very close to that. Universalism. The lo- it's against the logic of the Gospels for someone to be condemned to hell, Francis says. In a magisterialized papal encyclical. You guys got to account for that. I don't think he's an anti-pope either, but what the hell is he? What is he? Is he human? Is this guy reptilian? What the hell is he? That's all I'm saying. Why am I the only Catholic that's out here? It's like, he's not like any of the other popes. I saw him Pat the other day. He's not like any of the other anti-popes. What the hell is this guy? And why do fools out there say, oh, there are other bad popes? There is no one like him. I don't care if someone teaches the faith and then secretly does something that will get them sent to hell. Too bad for them. Their choice. Well, I don't care whether they're pope, bishop, priest, deacon, layman, whatever. Deal with it yourself, man. Work out your own salvation with holy fear and trembling, you know? Just don't confuse the flock. Francis does all the bad private stuff or some of it, I think. Not all of it. He hasn't sired a kid as far as we know, but he does lots of bad stuff. He's an ill-tempered man. He's a dictator. He's unlikable. He's a jerk. He elevates criminals. Strong record of that. So he does the misbehavior stuff too, but it would be different if he didn't try to change teaching and make a mess with teaching, okay? 
Uh, Number 28, Francis Outrage, number 28. He says, and this is a Morris Letizia 304, I earnestly ask that we recall a teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas and learn to incorporate it in our pastoral discernment. Now he's messing with the angelic doctor. This is, this is, this is I take personally. Although there is necessity in the general principles, the more we descend to matters of detail, the more frequently we encounter defects, in ma- this, which is totally true. In matters of action, truth or practical rectitude is not the same for all as to the matters of detail, but only as to the general principles. And where there is the same rectitude of matters in detail, it is not equally known to all. The principle will be found to fail according as we descend into further detail. So he's talking about prudential judgment, Thomas. Francis wrongly applies this to moral categories, categorical moral evil, which must be applied um, de rigueur. 28, 29, sorry. On June 16, 2016, at Pastoral Congress for the Diocese of Rome, Pope Francis stated that many cohabiting couples, end quote, have the grace of matrimony. I remember that one. 30. Outrage number 30. In a press conference on June 26, 2016, Pope Francis stated, I think that the intentions of Martin Luther were not mistaken. Remember, he put him on a, a stamp, a postal stamp. He was a reformer. Perhaps some methods were not correct. And today, Lutherans and Catholics, Protestants, all of us agree on the doctrine of justification. What the hell is this old crackpot saying? We do not agree with them about justification. By faith alone? No. He's just a liar, or he's stupid, or both. On this point, which is very important, he did not err. Luther did not err. He said Luther did not err on the doctrine of justification by faith alone. What were the Pope's planners saying with that one? I remember it, but I'm having to recall it. I thought I'd remember more of these. 31, in a homily in the Lutheran Cathedral in Lund, Sweden, on Halloween 2016. We're in 2016 now, and still a lot of outrages to go. Francis stated the spiritual experience of Martin Luther. What is this? This is the uh, 499th anniversary of Luther's heresy. Luther most likely condemned to hell, on the 499th anniversary of his heresy, he says, the spiritual experience of Luther challenges us to remember that apart from God, we can do nothing. How can I get a propitious God? This is the question that haunted Luther. In effect, the question of a just relationship with God is the decisive question for our lives. As we know, Luther encountered that propitious God in the good news of Jesus incarnate, dead, and risen. With the concept, by grace alone, he reminds us that God always takes the initiative prior to any human response, even as he seeks to awaken the response. The doctrine of justification thus expresses the essence of human existence before God. So he's justifying what he said earlier about uh, Luther being justified about justification. By the way, my um, patrons will have access to all 101 of these outrages, uh, a written copy of them on my Patreon page. If you want to support this show, patron. Dot com is the way to do it. Patreon.com. Timothy J. Gordon. Please support the show. We need your help. Here's another way you can help. Go to Amazon. Leave a review of Steph's book, Ask Your Husband. It keeps getting rated by feminists. Happened two nights ago. Where they're just leaving number ones. They're cheaters. They haven't read the book. They're leaving number ones. Would you please go review Steph's book if you've read the thing? Even if you've read part of it. Go give it an honest review. Whatever that is. Also, buy that book from Tan, and buy my book, The Case for Patriarchy. 
Just buy Case for Patriarchy and ask your husband. That's how you can help the show. Um, on Halloween of 2016 also, Pope Francis signed, this is uh, outrage number 32, he signed the joint statement on the occasion of the joint Catholic-Lutheran commemoration of the Reformation, which included this assertion. Ready for it? We are profoundly thankful for the spiritual and theological gifts received through the Reformation. He's profoundly thankful for the gift of heresy. We know you are, Francis. 33. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not playing the, the, the heresy game, but he's thankful for heresy. At the 2015 Synod on the Family, Cardinal Supich from Chicago supported the proposals that persons living in adulterous relationships and sexually active homos could receive the Eucharist in good conscience under certain circumstances. Wrong. Pope Francis, though, appointed him as Archbishop of Chicago the year before, named him Cardinal in 2016, and named him a member of the Congregation for Bishops and the Congregation for Catholic Education. Why are all of his appointments evil? 34. This one's really outrageous. This outrage? It's an outrageous outrage. In 2016, Francis dismissed all 132 members of the Pontifical Academy for life. All 132. This is revolution. He removed the requirement that members of the Academy swear to uphold the Catholic teachings on human life and not perform destructive research on the embryo or fetus, elective abortion, or euthanasia. The 45 new members of the Academy whom he appointed included several persons who reject Catholic moral teaching. Father Maurizio Chiodi, uh, Chiodi. Father, Chode, Father Chodi has argued for euthanasia through denial of food and water, he rejected Catholic teaching on the morality of contraception. Father Alan Thosamet had, has rejected the idea of intrinsically evil actions at all which Francis has too throughout the pontificate. He stated that some homosexual relationships can be a path of holiness. Francis loves that stuff. Father Humberto Miguel Yanez holds that artificial contraception can be listed under some circumstances. Professor Mary Jo Thiel rejects the contraception is morally wrong. Uh, sorry, rejects the church's teaching that homosexual acts are wrong, and same thing with contraception. Professor uh, Nigel Bigger holds that abortion up to 18 weeks of pregnancy can be licit and accepts that euthanasia can be in some cases justified. Um, this is one of my favorites. This is one of my very favorites. Coprophagia, meaning you eat poo. And there's coprophilia too, meaning you love poo, erotically. In 2016, he said, I think the media have to be very clear. He's talking about Catholic right-wing media. Um, very transparent and not fall into no offense intended the sickness of coprophilia that is always wanting to cover scandals that means uh, being erotically attracted to poo poo covering nasty things etc even if they're true he said and since people don't have a tendency toward the sickness of coprophagia that's eating poo a lot sorry for the scatological nature of the program I'm talking about the Pope so it gets scatological uh, a lot of damage can be done The only people, no, of course not. Are you a member of the homo community? Those are the only people that know about coprophagia and coprophilia, in my experience. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. He also had an extensive um, record of talking about these two things, poo eating and poo love, as bishop. 
as Archbishop of Buenos Aires. The only pe- I'm just saying, the only people that know about those two things, generally speaking, maybe there are some heterosexuals that do, but I've never... It's only homo community people, by and large, that know that. Um, don't know what that means. You do the math. The, the means of communication have their own temptations. They can be tempted by slander and therefore used to slander people, to smear them. The bad, bad image when we're talking about poo, man. This above all in a world of politics, he said. Uh, in fe- uh, February the 5th, 2016, the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences, this is uh, outrage number 36, will be hosting a conference on fraternal inclusion. Whose keynote speaker, of course, this is in the past, we didn't frame it right, whose keynote speaker will be Jeffrey Sachs, UN globalist, evil man, abortion and contraception maven, the SDG's chief architect and population control advocate who advised Pope Francis on his 2015 environmental encyclical Laudato Si, was invited back the following year. We're now in 2016. We're going through kind of chronologically, year by year. I said this the other day. Sachs was uh, an advisor of Pope Francis's all throughout the summer of 2015 when he was writing Laudato Si, and someone corrected me. He said, no, that he's spoken there, but he, he was not an advisor. Boom. Vindicated. I will tell you when I'm wrong. That one time. <laughs> but uh, that no. I, I remember, you can't fool me. You got to get up early, at least 9.30, because I get up kind of late, so you don't really have to get up that early. But you still can't fool me. I remember with Pope Francis. He's an evil, evil dude. Uh, number 37. See, and the thing is, the Pope Splainers, they have an easy time talking trash against people you know, like my friend Pat Coff. And I, I was upset how they didn't deal with the mer- some of the merits of his claim and just say, well, we don't know. This is interesting. That's what they should have said there. But when you say, I'm a Benny Planis, then you let yourself, you leave yourself open to all that. The Pope's planners can't handle this, man. They can't handle a list like this. This is, what, 14 pages long? Mm-hmm. This son of a gun, Pope I Francis? Spent, I spent many hours on that list. You're doing it all morning. <laughs> uh, you can't deal with this. Pope's planners, call up. Oh, he's being misquoted. (laughs) Remember that old game? Come on, don't be a goofball. He's being misquoted all these times. These aren't even all quotes. These are actions. It's like someone's accused of pulling the trigger in a murder, and he's like, I'm being misquoted. It's like, this was an act, bro. Also in 2016, outrage number 37, Pope Francis received Melinda Gates, who you now know as one of the COVID-19 people. Thank you very much, Melinda Gates. Cooked that puppy right up, didn't you? He received Melinda Gates in an unpublicized private audience, sources have told the register. Didn't know about that one. That's new. Uh, Outrage number 38, also in 2016. Lesser of two evils, Pope's remarks in an in-flight press conference on contraception with Zika virus. Now, on issue number 38 here, here's what happened. Um... I was, list- I was going to pick up some of Abby's seizure medication at the pharmacy. Chris Albert, nice man, was, uh, was doing a show on Catholic Radio. He was saying that the Pope was being misquoted again, you know. Pope splaining happened a lot uh, then. And this was in February of 2016 that it's okay to use contraception with the Zika virus. This is like a month and a half before Morse Laetitia dropped. And 
uh, the Vatican had just corrected what Pope Francis had said the day before in February. And they said, no, he did say, this was definitely Greg Burke, Francis did say you can use contraception, artificial contraception, specifically condoms, if you think you're in danger of Zika virus. He said it. They corrected it and left it on the record. And um, Chris Albert didn't know. I went into the drugstore. I was trying to call Chris. I turned off the radio and I was like, yo, man, you got to deal with this. You missed this, this announcement by Greg Burke, Vatican press man, that just dropped. And so I told him that I had to get off, talk to the pharmacist, get the seizure medication. I got back in my car. And by the time I got back in my car, Chris Albert was on the phone, on the radio, on air with Patrick Madrid. And they were understandably freaked out. They're like, okay, this one. They were reading it. They're like, okay. To their credit, they were like, hey, reverse what Chris just said. I don't know what he's doing here. And they're like, okay, don't listen to the Pope. That might have been the beginning, but a lot of, I think, I think Chris, Chris is more like me now. I'm not sure. I can't speak for him, but that was the beginning for some people. And then a month and a half later, Amoris Letizia, which we, we're going in reverse alpha, uh, chronological order. Outrage number 39, Pope Francis has significantly raised the stakes for those apprehensive about the possibility that he has new innovations in store for the church by, in a Vatican radio summary of his homily from January the 18th, yeah, we're going in reverse cron order, it reads, which is fine, Christians, quote, who say it's always been done that way and stop there, have hearts closed to the surprises of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the first time in 2016, early 2016, he used this gay term, surprise of the Holy Spirit. He just means he's going to change the unchangeable. Can't do that. What does happen when a pope does it? It's cleaner if an anti-pope does it. What happens if a pope does it? That's the big question, friends. We don't know. That's why it would be cleaner if he were an anti-pope. I'm not saying he is, but that's why some people are giving in to wishful thinking. These people, Pope Francis said, are idolaters and rebels who will never arrive at the fullness of the truth. Ah, it's a Hegelian thing. You'll never arrive at the full fullness of the truth if you insist on the principle of non-contradiction. If you say thesis, Catholic thesis, and you insist on that, and you don't accept the antithesis, moving you into a higher third position of synthesis, the Hegelian thing, Aufhebung, is the German term for it. These rigids who think that a thesis cannot go together with its antithesis, they're just called logical people, they can never arrive at the fullness of truth. Wow. Number 40. In 2016, at a general audience after the conference, the Pope was asked about how to balance church teaching on the indissolubility of marriage while welcoming Catholics who are divorced and remarried. And he said, Rigorism nor laxity was the right response. The gospel chooses another way, like that Aufhebung way. A little of A, a little of B. That way is welcoming, accompanying, integrating, discerning, without putting our noses in the moral life of other people. You're the Pope, idiot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what an idiot. Well, but you're in charge. Uh, you know what we're going to do here? Because these are so, I, I can't cut these. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to get halfway I'm going to do show number two tomorrow. We're going to get halfway and then we're going to cut it because I, I, I don't want to I don't want to just read the top line. A lot of these are newer than I thought they would be. That's incredible. Number 41. 
in 2016 also, Pope Francis said he won't be slowed down by ultra-conservatives. And they don't cause him to look over his shoulder. In a new interview with Argentinian journalist who writes for La Nación, that's not exactly an outrage, but it's La Nación, and you see who he's consorting with. Number 42. At World Youth Day in 2016, has anything good ever come out of World Youth Day? I know a lot of people start bawling tears of joy for it, but I, I think it's more bad than good. Maybe some good. At World Youth Day in 2016, the Vatican released a teen sex ed program, I remember this as a teacher, that neglected the parents' central role in such matters. I think it explicitly said parents shouldn't be there. It failed to even mention mortal sin, and it included sexually explicit photos and films. I remember this well. I remember the day it came out. They're perverts. They're sex perverts who have taken about the business of morally corrupting the youth, what Socrates was put to death for. And Socrates didn't even do it sexually, as far as we know. I don't know, he's Greek. <laughs> Maybe. Um, 43, outrage number 43, still in 2016. He had a busy year. Pope Francis presided as the pontifical foundation he founded. He presided over it. Uh, Scolas Acorrentes awarded an olive medal for peace to George Clooney, uh, gerbil boy Richard Gere, and Salma Hayek at a publicized Vatican event. All three Hollywood, Hollywood celebrities. (laughs) Sorry, Salma. All three Hollywood celebrities have a history of advocacy against the church's moral and social teachings. Duh. Duh. Number 44. This takes a long time, friends. Cardinal Farrell, I remember him, has expressed support for the proposition that the divorced and remarried should receive communion. Pope Francis named him as prefect to the newly established dicastery for the laity, family, and life, promoted him to the rank of cardinal, made him Cardinal Camerlengo. That's a real honor. Um, Number 45. Outrage 45 by Francis. This carries us into 2017. Archbishop Mario Enrico Delpini. As a vicar general of the uh, Archdiocese of Milan, Delpini uh, moved Father Moro Gali to a new parish after being informed that Gali had sexually abused a young... Oh, young woman? No, of course, a young man. Delpini admitted this in a court deposition in 2014, three years before. The Holy See was made aware of this, Pope Francis nevertheless named him as Archbishop of Milan in 2017. Archbishop Milan used to be considered the number two position of power in the church until we had the College of Cardinals. It's a real honor. And he put his sex pervert friend there. Uh, Number 46, another outrage. Bishop Gustavo Oscar Zanchetta. This one's big. You probably know Zanchetta. He'd been named by Pope Francis as Bishop of Iran in Argentina in 2013. Zanchetta engaged in homo misconduct, including the sexual harassment of seminarians. Photographic evidence of this was submitted to the Holy See in 2015. Photographic evidence of this pervert. In December 2017, Pope Francis named Zanchetta as assessor of the administration of the patrimony of the apostolic see. You see the pattern here? Do you apostolic see it? You like that joke? I'm just sick of reading. I like talking more. 47, another outrage. Cardinal Domenico Calcagno, GNO. Cardinal Calcagno was known to have protected Nello Girado, a priest who had abused a same-sex minor. They love the boys. 
before Pope Francis' election. Pope Francis retained him in office as president of the administration of the patrimony of the Holy See until he reached retirement age in 2017. Steph did thorough work here. Outrage number 48. You're not going to recognize this one. Father James Martin S.J. Grr. <laughs> he, you're going to know him, he is a well-known advocate for the legitimizing of butt sex, of homosexual relationships, and homosexual sensuality and activity. In 2017, Pope Francis appointed this butt sex lover as a consultant to the Secretariat of Communications of the Holy See. Uh, Wow. You see, I get worked up. I'm just so sick of all these queens. Someday I'm just going to say what I say as soon as I hit mute and we end the air and it's going to get me in trouble. I, can you get in? Yeah. It's not like I have a boss. I already had to turn off monetization. Do you realize what I say about these people when I turn this off? You really, it's, it's a laugh riot. Uh, outrage number 49. <laughs> um, this is an outrage in, in, in itself as an act of omission, not commission. He ignored the dubia and the filial correction of Francis in 2017. Here it looks like falafel correction of Francis in 2017. It might be. Did, did someone correct his falafels? He had a, a less delicious recipe. No, he totally ignored the filial correction uh, in, in 2017 by the Dubia Cardinals, two of whom have died. The holy men, all four of them. It's an outrage he did that. Point number 50. Outrage number 50. By this old ruin, Francis. Francis denounced new traditional religious orders as Pelagians, another favorite term. He gets on these terms and he just keeps going. Because they want to return to asceticism and penance. We'll stop there halfway through 2017. I promise you a show tomorrow. Usually I skip a day. I will, I will do part two tomorrow. We don't do too many part one, part twos, but I, I, this took longer than I thought it was going to. Great work by Steph. I thought these would be more line items and one-liners. There's some deep dive here. Do you see the pattern? It's raining men. That's the pattern, okay? That's the pattern. It's raining men, all of these queens, Francis's buddies, running around doing some crazy stuff. We're not even talking about the party. We're coming up to it in summer of 2017. We're almost there. The party with cocaine and gay hookers at the CDF and, um, and them wanting to change sexual teaching, which is unchangeable, and to change it for the most perverse, unnatural behavior, homosexuality, that means they also have to change it for natural vice, heterosexual vice, you know, like divorce and uh, civil remarriage. They also have to change it for autoerotica, things like that. So it's very simple. Francis is the pervert's pope, and we still don't know what to do with him. I'll ruminate more at the end of this list of 101, like 101 Dalmatians. We're 50 deep, and we're going to do the other 51 tomorrow, tomorrow morning, okay? God bless you guys. Stay the course. Francis is pope. We just don't know what it means yet. God bless you. Deus Volt. Like, subscribe, click the bell on this video. Stay the course. Don't worry. I'll be back. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb.